0: It is time to tune up the band and bring out the rainbow flag once more for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag podcast. I am Sam, always alongside Dan and Riordan as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Good afternoon, chaps. How are we? Even though the answer I know is we're all freaking tired. Let's go.
1: We are go the quiet. walking. We are the walking dead.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it has been about this week, but good lord, am I exhausted at the end of it? Uh, that is for true. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been a long old one. It has been a long old one for it's been sure. Busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as part from like summer coming back to trying to have one last hurrah before we get into Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Because as we all know, everyone celebrates Halloween in September because they're just waiting. They're slowly waiting for October, and then it's, it's alright to sing, this is Halloween, everybody make a sing. <laughs> See, I'll have you
2: know that Halloween is a year-long celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Back when
0: I was 19 and an emo. Anyway! <laughs> <laughs> you don't oh. need to attack me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was attacking myself, dad, but, but I guess like, everyone else. <laughs> We give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms.
1: Guys, you know, I am so tired, but I'm not that tired enough to not be pending, of which I am always pending, (laughs) and you should too.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, yeah. And as, as ever, for always, for early access, one, uh, day one access, as well as some exclusive perks here and there, be sure to visit us on patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. I do have a couple of things planned. Um, so the, 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 yeah. the, the rate of stuff is actually going to go up quite a bit in the next couple of weeks, which I'm quite looking forward to. Mm hmm. So, yeah, if you actually want to get some early access to uh, or, uh, one day, early access to episodes, as well as uh, um, access to our exclusive Discord server, as well as little previews and kind of uh, v- uh, like versions of edits. Uh, early up to, and
2: bits and stuff like that. Absolutely.
0: Go on to patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag for all that good stuff. Alrighty, So it has been a week. Of yes. <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of stuff that has happened outside of wrestling and especially in the last couple of days especially. Uh but so before we get on to our third instalment of nas- of uh National Hispanic Heritage Month, it is time to visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News.
1: Dun 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 down
0: Wrestling News
2: <laughs> Oh now he's Guess now he's some, riffing. Get some Get get some like eighties style graphics for it or something. If yes. we ever decide to do this in video, which is a, a long way away. <laughs> Once we all um, have webcams.
1: Don't talk yeah. to me about doing video, please. Please. <laughs> I
2: know. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty of things that you could say right now that probably have me going, Oh God, please don't say that word again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but let's get into it. Um I'm gonna be transparent with our audience and say I haven't been that great at keeping up this week. I've been so busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have hardly had time to think, let alone watch wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame because last week I actually watched quite a lot. <laughs> hmm. um,
0: <laughs> so, I, I guess
2: I, the- I think I think the most pertinent place to start, though, is with the most, is with the biggest story of what what with, at time of recording the biggest story. <laughs> and it's going to be Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I'm bringing this up pretty much just to make our position exceedingly clear, uh, which is that the, oh, that's the boys being the boys mentality needs to leave any industry in which it's even slightly indentured. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that needs to go straight away that for decades now the wrestling industry has categorically failed at addressing mm-hmm. matters of sexual assault and has in fact normalized it as being part of the wrestling business <sighs> uh, and thirdly that it is a tough thing to do to have a person that you look at and have like really liked but also acknowledge that they have done something which is categorically horrifying. Mm. Yeah, and that that is an important part of growth as a person. Yes, to be yes. able to recognise that.
0: Yes. Yeah. You can like the wrestler, but the person—it's a whole different. That's a whole different ball game. You can like the the accomplishments they've done, the matches they've been a part of the 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 way they've been able to carve their own path in professional wrestling history but boy does that not mean that you can uh, defend their actions outside of that ring because uh, uh man that was a hard watch it honestly I, i've I have there have been a couple of episodes of dark side of the ring that have really been quite hard to watch uh, the bruiser Brody one that it's, um is is a prime example of that for me but this one especially, this one was probably the hardest watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think everyone, if anyone who's anyone as a wrestling fan know has known for a life, uh, well, for quite a while now about this infamous plane ride from hell. Um, I guess now I I just feel like now my good goodness, a whole mainstream audience is going to know about it. But I feel like Alex, well,
2: I I think. I think one th- important thing about it, though, that this is done, is it's really kind of recontextualized it.
1: Yeah. Because it's when I... Like, yeah. Whenever...
2: like, for, for, for a lot of people, and I think I am probably should be saying pretty much what you're going to say, Rude, but by all means, just follow follow after me on this. Mm. Um, But that for, uh, for a lot of time and for a lot of people, people have just ha- read it like... Oh yeah, it was a it was a flight where people like got up to some wacky hijinks,
1: mm. yeah.
2: And so like the story that is about Dark Side of the Ring about Ric Flair fucking f- flashing his robe open to a flight attendant was in a a WWE made cartoon bit like animation of an interview segment.
1: That's right. Oh right? god.
2: And people are like, oh, it's just like people getting up to wacky hijinks on a plane that the WWE privately chartered. But actually, Mm. it's more like no, there was some seriously bad stuff happening here and that for some reason, people within the wrestling industry have been so good at managing the narrative about it Yeah, (laughs) that it's helped helped them avoid getting in trouble and uh, basically avoiding any kind of real accountability for anything that happened on it
1: yeah like whenever i'd heard yeah when that's basically the same thing whenever i'd heard about it it had not sounded as bad as it actually was it sounded bad but in a very for a lack of a better term innocent like in like Mm -hmm. this was a this was a dumb dumb situation you know, more it, than it, actual like no more than actual like basically crimes like yeah. straight up crimes
2: like, like th- the way i always heard it before is it was like whenever um like one of my cousins or one of my really good friends was like oh yeah well you know we were away on rugby tour <laughs> and like, like yeah there was stupid stuff that happened right but it was just like oh Someone had like you know two people started arguing this little stuff. Someone had a bit too much to drink, you know this and that. Not straight up, like <laughs> counts of sexual abuse. People straight up like coming close to seriously harming each other, and and like all of that stuff. Mm you know to, to be there and say like this is just like a oh it's the boys being the boys and i'm like no this is these are crimes
0: yeah, yeah. like just the whole thing of just it, oh it's just wow it, it, i i'm still i'm still a little speechless at some of the things certain people during that said um and Boy, did they really put their foot in their mouths. A lot of them did in that. Um, Well, there was a certain one in particular uh, as well uh, being a Richard, a right Richard head for some of the (laughs) crap he said. Um, Yep. I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I genuinely couldn't believe it. At the same time, I could because every if anything everyone everyone who's anyone in the business has said this stuff and anything and now it's just now fully almost fully confirmed and contextualized and contextualized
1: yeah i think that's the biggest thing about it is that it actually like no no we're getting like the full context of all this which makes it a thousand times worse
0: oh yeah wow and i think this was 2002 as well, I uh, believe it was 2002. Um, yeah. And like the way they end it is like, uh, like pretty much after that. When it became to WWE, you know, the guys in the back, they they learned their lesson, and uh, everything was uh, it was different backstage after that. Um, I re I re- quote what I said on my Twitter. So this was the good old days. Undertaker was talking about fuck that. I'd rather have the guys play video games and be nerds. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I would much rather, much rather the locker room culture like, of we're gonna play video games,
2: like uh, we already know the Undertaker's on pack, right? So we, <laughs> yeah, we, we know we know he's just he's just he's like, oh, the locker rooms are different now. People are playing video games, whatever. And it's like okay, cool, whatever. If you're gonna say that, just like you're just talking, but this this is the kind of thing that this gets you, yeah. Espe- especially, I mean, I think also one part of it that I feel like really needs to be discussed, and I don't know if I'm the person that's qualified to say this. I think the unique nature of wrestling enables it, yeah. yeah. Like because it's such an inherently or it was such an inherently secretive industry Mm. that like when it comes to like protecting i'm using the phrase trade secrets here which is actually a legal term i'm not using it in the correct legal context (laughs) um like because you have to be so protective of about the information Mm. that like stuff like this is kind of able to be put to the side and you know sold off as this like haha, look these guys were doing some weird funny stuff on a plane um, don't question it <laughs> rather than actually the scale and severity of what we're talking about
0: here yeah yeah I tell you all credit um, to the flight attendant who agreed yeah. to be on the show uh, that 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 takes a lot of um, that takes an iron will to come on and uh, and recount those um, those horrible memories. I belie-
2: yeah, I believe also as well there was a second flight attendant, but she declined to make an appearance. Yeah. owing to the nature of going through that experience.
0: Yeah, and can't say that I blame her. All yeah. I'll <laughs> say is this: right, Ric Flair is going to have an incredibly rough couple of weeks because the next episode is going to be about Chris Canyon. And I can guarantee you there is going to be, there is going to be more shit said about Ric Flair in that episode as well.
2: Oh yeah. Um, Especially
0: the Howard Stern episode. If no one's ever seen that Howard Stern episode of which Chris Canyon was in, Ric Flair was an absolute, I'm going to say he was an absolute dickhead to Chris Canyon on that. I mean Howard Stern for a little bit as well for enabling that to happen. What happened? Oh um, yeah, I mean yeah. there's there's a yeah. litany of issues around Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But no, um, I, I I think that that one's going to be. I don't. I, again, if this was this was a hard watch, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch the Chris Canyon episode. Oh, I don't as well. know if I'm
2: going to be able to. Oh, sure. the Chris
1: Canyon episode is going to suck for me for a multitude yeah, it's of reasons. Gonna...
2: <laughs> like the entire episode is just going to be pain.
0: <laughs> yeah. God damn. Yeah. Um but gosh, yeah, this this is tough and I'll be honest, fair play to impact for 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 making, no, you know, doing making a decision quite fast actually. Um yeah. quite fast Indefinitely definitely suspending that certain person, uh Mr. Tommy Dreamer, uh indefinitely, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I believe some of the people that uh, that were behind Ric Flair, I think there was a documentary that was about to come out of Ric Flair that has been pulled. Um, episodes of Story Time that you were talking about, Dan, have been pulled from the network, yeah. and the Car Shield uh, commercials have been stopped as well. Uh, been well, the the official term for uh, and the, from the press release Car Shield made was paused, and they're going to be phased out very quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is me. This is me saying this. So I was like, actually, I just, I just clocked something that I could, I could say, but honestly, it's not a joke, so I won't say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, my man. Talk about something, sort of, kind of good. Um, NXT 2.0 was, I want to say, okay but it smells like the stench of Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn was wafting for it quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> there
2: was. Like, I, think we sh- I think we shouldn't be uh, afraid of that fact. They're, they were very much... I mean, we should say this edition of NXT 2.0 was being run by Bruce Prichard. Uh Yes, uh, and on, I believe... On Vince's behalf as he wasn't there because he is with Triple H at the yeah. moment in time.
0: Uh, you could tell it was kind of from Bruce Pritchard because there was a certain there was a lack of women's wrestlers again something about Bruce Pritchard and he doesn't like women's wrestling does he I
2: mean there there, there was that there was the uh those those lovely camera cuts that I've grown to to know and love
0: uh, <laughs> I, was they say. Weren't,
2: I will say they weren't as
0: egregious as raw or Smackdown <laughs> but they were there. They were there indeed. And can we talk about the most, the most Bruce Pritchard of all Bruce Pritchard things? Why did you not call the son of Rick Steiner Rex Steiner?
2: I, I, so I said this right. Unless Scott Steiner's is taking them to court about use of the name, he shouldn't be called anything else. I'm sorry. You have Rex Steiner, who is literally the embodiment and fusion of Scott and Rick Steiner, <laughs> with the name. <laughs> Rex Steiner. That is literally the most wrestling name ever.
0: <laughs> I love the fact he came out in the like the classic like plaint splattered singlet, the Scott Steiner goatee, the attitude of his father Rick. They even on commentary they called him a dog faced gremlin, and they called him Bron Breaker. <laughs> Rid, and they called him Bron Breaker with two K's. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> you had Rex Steiner there. It was set. Honestly, I think he, I think people would get over, would get more. He would get more over. Seriously, if he Hi, was a Steiner,
2: do do WWE not realise how much people love the Steiners? <laughs> the Steiner family are like genuinely loved in wrestling. Yeah. If you just call him, give him the cert, whatever the first name is, it couldn't, it didn't even have to be Rex. It it could have been Bron Steiner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh and, my and, God. And, and
2: as long as I see Steiner there, I'm like, I am already behind him. And let's not even forget, right? He has Scott Steiner's voice. <laughs> He's no, he's so bad. Scott he Steiner's line. Exactly, Steiner, he sounds exactly, he almost sounds almost exactly like Scott Steiner at that exact age.
0: You know, they say with all maybe, Steiner's maybe created like, equal,
2: <laughs> yeah, with maybe like a little hint of, of, of Rick Steiner's voice as well. I'm like, if look, just let him say 33 and a third, that's <laughs> all I need. Just give me that, and I'm happy.
0: Oh God! Oh, what's that? I can't remember. I can't remember who it was, but there was a TikTok a while back, um, taking the Mick out of repackaging. Uh, uh, I think it was the guy like Black Enigma left the Indies to join WWE, repackaged as Dilbert Johnson. Didn't crack, didn't get over with crowd in six months was released and when I saw broad break I was like that's it that's ac- that is actually it in a nutshell by six months people they'll wonder why is he not getting over and then they'll probably release him.
2: Yeah, I don't. I hope that doesn't happen. I genuinely hope that doesn't happen. Although don't forget we did also have what was it? Uh, von Wagner. Von, von Wagner, Wagner, yes.
0: Um, yeah, him. Replacing <laughs> replacing Kylo Riley in the not even the main event for the NXT Championship, uh, because you know, uh, yeah, you know, every every if if you have a wedding, you know that's got to be the main event. And by George, yeah. I quite enjoyed the wedding segment. I've not got a lot. Okay,
2: but but consider the following though, right? They already knew how stupid the entire storyline was, and they ran with it. You know, like you should do because yes. I don't know who needs to hear this. But not every wrestling storyline needs to be serious (laughs) and when you're having when you're having a wedding between someone who also at some point was kidnapped by the person that they're getting married to yes that was part
0: of the storyline good old stockholm syndrome
2: (laughs) and like the thing i loved about this so much was that the entire storyline basically built up to the point of Will Dexter Loomis say words? <laughs> and the pop and he got when he said, I do. And, and and that's what I mean. It's like, you can have a good storyline that doesn't revolve around a title or anything like that.
0: You just need to give it the correct thing to work up to. Also, we all now know that Dexter Loomis always keeps a hatchet <laughs> by his person. Yeah, he had an axe in his suit. In his I suit. mean... <laughs> Which, which, to be fair, for him, I think is appropriate.
1: <laughs> just... Sometimes you just need an axe, innit? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly, for no other reason than just... It's just you know... one of them ones. It's exactly. Exactly. Especially for a man who just doesn't blink and has a thousand yard stare. Of course he needs a hatchet. Oh, I can't lie though. His suit jacket was kind of fire though. Actually, yeah, I can't lie about that. No, that was good. I like the the, the I like the the little touch of the groomsmen wearing Dexter Lewis's ring gear. <laughs> oh, having the gloves on. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, that too, That 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 was good. Uh, but uh, good. but yeah, uh, NXT 2.0. Uh, overall the look of it. I I'm still to be won over by it. I think having the the uh the uh, performance center lit up like a Christmas tree. I just think makes it feel a lot smaller than they want it to look. In a sense, it looks more like yeah. a, like a Saturday night. Well, not a Saturday morning kids show. You know, kind of like you know the old school Ant and Dick Saturday morning shows or Dick and Dom and the Bungalow. <laughs> That's what it felt to now, me. Now we're talking. <laughs> that is what it felt like to me or you know you could say you know what everyone's been saying the uh, it looks like art attack <laughs> it i mean it does it really does <laughs> but um... i don't know we'll see how it how it goes i just i'm looking forward to seeing triple h coming back and maybe you know taking the reins once more you know maybe getting his influence back into the creative yeah. process i hope that he has some leeway with the creative process but knowing what well the reasoning as to why this has happened uh, we'll see yeah yeah i think it i think it. it is
2: there's some interesting ideas at play hmm. i think that there's definitely there's definitely potential for it I think one thing we should keep in mind is that there are quite a few contracts up in December. Yeah, uh, more than I actually thought. Because uh, I I believe Gargano is one of them. Gargano is that's one of in, them. That's up in, that's up in December. Uh, Pete um, Dunn
0: has re-signed uh, with a contract no, Pete, personally Pete, Pete handed Dunn... to him by Triple H.
2: Yeah, Pete Dunn re-signed on a three-year deal. Yeah. Um, but also... <laughs> I feel like the current direction of NXT is very kind of antithetical to Pete Dunne, because <laughs> mm. um, obviously one thing that people have said about Pete Dunne is that like, oh, but if he goes, you know, if he was to hypothetically go to Maine, what would happen? And we know what uh, we know what Vince thinks about smaller wrestlers,
0: comedy act,
2: and uh, considering he is the bruiserweight. In reference to you know, wrestling stuff, um, I I I feel like he's going to end up weirdly misplaced. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we have Tommaso Ciampa as NXT champion again, mm. which, to be fair, uh, um, sways away some of my fears about the new direction. Mm. Um, but again, it it depends on. It depends on how they go for it and what the plan is. One thing WWE does need to do, though, just rebrand 205 Live.
0: Yeah. At this point... Deadass. Just just rebrand it. Because now, like, it's, you know, Odyssey Jones was in there. Now they have women's matches on there. So now it's just like, just do a full-on... Just... Just... Whatever you... Just make it... I don't know. Make it Sunday Night Heat again, but seriously, it's not it's not Two O Five Live anymore because it's a bit silly keeping that name there.
2: Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, one thing I did say, I watched one of the, like clips from Two O Five Live. And I was like, Two O Five Live's kind of got a better lighting setup. <laughs> it feels it feels it feels it's actually quite a nice look to in that kind of smaller venue. Yeah, with like the purple lighting. It works quite well. Um, the only thing I have to say otherwise about it, though, is I do like the the practice of <laughs> have, having a mask wrestler and then just giving just giving them a normal name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes. Pretty... Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes the guy just wants to wear a mask. Not, doesn't, doesn't make they, they, have, it.
2: they have this woman in there called uh, Valentina feroz Feroz yeah. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and, and, but it's, it's like it's like they just have her there, uh, Val- uh, Valentina. Thron, and she's got a mask on, and it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> okay.
0: I didn't cool. think this. I didn't think this through correctly. I'm using my real name, even though I'm trying to conceal my identity. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's
2: an interesting. I, I, um,
0: now nah, I won't say it. I won't say it. <laughs> I'll tell I you, prefer not to speak. I'll end on something good. Uh, Dynamite and Rampage uh, were quite good shows, uh, as usual. A great match between Miro and Fuego Del Sol and Rampage last night. Um, hitting a sick double mm-hmm. axe handle onto Fuego, which popped Connor from Wrestling With Fiction, as it
2: should. <laughs> I
0: mean, look, the double axe
2: handle is, uh, deserves its own place in the Hall of
0: Fame. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the, the eventual match between CM Punk and Hook. Because because I love how the internet. Punk fears hook. Punk fears hook. Send hook. (laughs) I love how the internet has latched onto that and has run with it. Yeah, I love it so
2: so much. No, right? I don't even. I I, with my friends that don't watch AEW, like, why do you care so much about this guy? And I'm like, if you
0: if you haven't got it now, you're never gonna get it. (laughs) Because everyone, yeah. I, feel, it, 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 I feel like wrestling now has, 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 swoons, has swoons for Hook. And I can see why. I can see why I people just, are like, swooning I for Hook. It's
2: over, and Hook hasn't said anything, has barely said anything, and hasn't wrestled. And yet we still love him. And as I said before, I get the feeling Hook won't win the AEW World title because they know that if they did that, the entire audience in there would collapse into themselves and create a black hole
1: yes absolutely absolutely so
2: and if I, it doesn't if, if he doesn't get the world title it is and protection you need to remember yes this. there will yeah, be a yeah, hole in peaceful. the
0: space-time continuum if that happens as
1: punk as punk faces his weed dealer <laughs> <laughs> yes because that's what that's what Hook does you know that's his that's his when he's not practicing his, for his career he, he's the hookup man for the locker room like that's <laughs> his job that's, that's his side gig oh, yeah. oh my god
0: oh needless to say with all that very much looking forward to Grand Slam uh, Dynamite Grand Slam and especially yep. now that we know the main event is a non-title match Kenny Omega going up against Brian Danielson very much Hell looking yeah. forward to that fair play to tony khan for pulling the trigger this early yeah mm. on that match uh we've got punk versus powerhouse Hobbs, which i'm really looking forward to as well Oh, that's certified that's certified <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be amazing we've got uh is it i think ruby soho versus brick breaker is happening at grand slam yep. isn't it yeah it is very like much grand looking slam. forward to that as well i'm looking forward to the look of arthur ash um in a re- in, in a wrestling context. i
2: genuinely think it could it this this could be a big change.
0: Cause the way um tennis sta or tennis arenas are kind of like seated, everyone has a very good view of the court, the way they're kind of angled. Yeah, you pretty much every seat has to have a good sight line. So I'm really looking forward to like to be I imagine as a fan being there and actually having a good view of the ring without being Obstructed, unless someone's got a sign in front of you, of course. Yeah, I know, but
2: you know, <laughs>
0: I'm looking forward
2: to seeing. No, it. but i th- I think it's I think it's a really cool idea because it's like when Tony Khan uh, was saying, like, oh, when he brings AEW to the UK, he wants to do a show at Craven Cottage, which mm. I'm looking forward to seeing that visual. <laughs> which I'm like, a, that's gonna look ridiculous, but I love it. But B, I'm like, actually, though. It's like like sports arenas in terms of like a football stadium, or like uh, a tennis arena, is actually a really really cool idea.
0: AEW yeah. will be the first, I guarantee, the first wrestling company to place a show at Centre Court in Wimbledon. <laughs> I was, I was just about to say,
2: could you, AEW all out on center court in Wimbledon.
1: <laughs> yes. Legitimately, legitimately, you would be able to hear the pop from the entirety of London. If yes. They did oh yeah. Like, oh if 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 they, someone whack someone with a tennis racket, the the pop would be able to hear. In the vacuum of space
0: <laughs> They should call that one uh, uh, AEW Dynamite Strawberries and Cream instead of Grand Slam Yes, absolutely <laughs> oh, I mean,
1: they could, you mean, you still could Call it the Grand Slam, honestly
0: <laughs> True True, but I'm guessing with that, uh, is there anything Else in the news that we haven't touched upon Or is that pretty much it? Uh, oh, I there's mean,
1: one the... thing One thing, one thing, yeah. one thing
0: Oh, yes, yes. There is, actually, there is one
2: thing Page, yes Oh, I was gonna say Big E, but Big E as well as, as well.
1: Big E. Congratulations, Big E! You deserve it. God, we are, damn. Gonna,
2: we are gonna get big meaty men slapping
0: meat. I'm so <laughs> and it's fucking happy for that.
1: that. it's gonna be, it's gonna be fantastic. I I fear because I remember Kofi, and I will always fear. I
2: know you, you share the fears of the most black <laughs> wrestling fans.
1: however however i will i will hope i will hope
0: yes but yeah pages uh the 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 page teasing something and if it is a return gosh i would be so freaky i would be as happy as when daniel bryan announced his return uh, to the ring I know so many
2: managed to get some of those stem cells that Christian was using.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, frankly, I was going to say edge, but I mean, overall, frankly, Mm. maybe both, maybe (laughs) both. Just go, just go full at it.
0: (laughs) I'd be so happy if that if it it is a no. I genuinely would be.
1: Literally, I know so many people who would be. Just destroying my phone with messages if Paige comes back.
0: <laughs> now there you go. There's one way to write a sequel to fighting with my family. Yeah. So yeah, I'm guessing with that, then we are done with the news.
2: Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Beautiful pretty stuff. Good.
0: Alrighty. So recommendation corner. I've got one. Dan has one. I believe you yep. might have one as well, Riordan.
1: I do not, so I will leave you guys to it.
0: Ah, awesome. All right, everybody, check out Fighting Back 2021, which happened last night, a new Legacies channel. I watched a few hours of it, laughing my head off as ever. And some of the people they had on there, they had Tyler Breeze, they had, well, Evil Uno, as always, yeah. Evil Uno's no. there. They had Tyler Breeze. They had Adam Cole for a little bit. They had Austin there for a little bit, Austin Creed. And uh, as well... Uh, the big dog Dakota Kai as well. <laughs> so much fun, so so much fun. I highly recommend everyone to watch the vod or when it eventually comes out, the highlights yeah. video. That beefy will make it look like a million bucks. Like Ten hours long. But exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. So yeah, check out Fight Back 2021. Dan. Hell yeah.
2: Uh, my recommendation for a Recommendation Corner is uh, a really, really cool band called Spirit Box. Um, Sam will have heard me bang on about them yes. for hours on end. Um, they're really, really cool. Um, they've been putting out absolute banger singles. and They just released their first full-length album. Um, so please go listen to them and go and support Female Fronted Metal.
0: Absolutely. freaking Uh But with that, it's time to move on to this week's episode, The Wonderful World of Exoticos. Yes, we teased it back during Pride Month, and I had to really go and sit down and try and, and delve through a lot of stuff. And uh, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot on the Exoticos, but what I did dig up, I digged up just a little bit of, of it. So, with that, it is time. Gentlemen, are you ready to explore the Rainbow Road and the and the world of Exoticos? <laughs>
1: No, but we're doing it anyway.
0: <laughs> you Fair you say, you, say, you, say,
2: you saying that just had me just like twigged in my hair sh went walking the rainbow road. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: rainbow. All day, every day, baby. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Exoticos. According to the to the Wikipedia page in Lucha Libre, an Exotico is a luchador fighting slash performing in drag. The Exoticos' movement vocabulary is campy, often silly, and seldom dignified. Exoticos are male wrestlers who appropriate feminine aspects in their wrestling personas or gimmicks through feminine costumes, for example contesting the dramatic representation of machismo and successfully unmanning their opponents in the ring whilst also rejecting the outward signs of manhood. Though exoticos may not necessarily be gay, they often are, and their sexual ambiguities undeniable. Attired with feather boas, headdresses, sequins, or stockings, they defy a religious Latin culture that is ardently macho. That is the entire quote to begin the Wikipedia (laughs) Wikipedia (laughs) definition of exoticos.
1: (laughs) Okay, so
0: that's a lot that is a lot lot.
2: it's a a lot of information to take in so if you want to start like breaking it down bit by bit by all means go ahead (laughs) absolutely so where did they
0: start exoticos were first seen around the 1940s in lucha libre they were initially categorized as sort of a vaudeville act of entertainment it really didn't kind of It didn't reflect the life of any luchador uh, to begin with. And they were kind of seen, uh, unfortunately, they were seen as the point and laugh at um, sort of uh, form of entertainment during the early days of uh, Lucha Libre. But it was very kind of quickly that a lot of um, LGBT members of the community kind of adopted Exoticos and made it their own. Uh, One of the earliest acknowledged exoticos was Sterling Davis, but also known as Gardenia Davis. Uh, He would enter the ring by throwing uh, a bunch of Gardenias into the crowd, uh, to to, to, to much to the the humour of the audience involved. Um, But it was really, it wasn't, for the longest time they were considered like the entertainment act, and it wasn't, believe it or not, it wasn't up until the late 80s, uh that they were actually kind of taken seriously
1: wait they were taken seriously in the
0: 80s late 80s yeah
1: that is wow that's shocking to have as
2: i say the 80s were a weird time
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i know right i mean i i guess i maybe you know from how i see it from that point there was a lot more kind of Andro- androgyny was starting to seep into the mainstream yeah. culture well
2: because if i mean if i'm talking in terms of in like uk context i obviously can't speak about the context of mexico in the 80s because i don't know it and don't know anyone that lived it hmm. uh, but i often think oh yeah, i often think back to like kind of the start of the new romantics period yeah and like
1: mm, yeah that's pretty, true.
2: pretty much a lot of presentation was Arguably more ambiguous as it was ever going to be in mm. that period of time, at least before kind of like the last couple of years. Yeah. Um. um.
0: No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. So mm. it was it was up until that point, and when they started being taken seriously. But it was also at that time that exoticos they well the people that were portraying exoticos they claimed that the act was. Pure and pure, just just an act. It did not uh, reflect any of their personal lifestyles or you know what they did outside of the ring. But it was it was up, not until the mid '80s that two luchadors trained by Reynosa, a uh, famed luchador, began wrestling as Exoticos. But they didn't deny their homosexual identity. Like they 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 were pure straight up, one hundred percent gay, and they did not. Care what anyone thought about them.
2: Because I think it is an interesting thing about what this role occupies, in a sense, mm. in that, you know, if you were a, a you know, I, I feel, I again, I still feel a lot of trouble talking about stuff like this and LGBT issues, because mm. I'm still a relatively new member of the community. But mm. kind of the role it would play in that like for example if you were a closeted gay man to have an you know an avenue of expression Mm. even if it was done under this guise of it's just performance Mm -hmm. i get the feeling that actually probably would be quite empowering especially in a very kind of masculine focused or your know, macho focused environment that a wrestling is but b that is a uh, is a tendency in a lot
0: of latin culture absolutely mm. uh, and in particular lucha libre uh, uh, as well um so getting to this i want to chat with you two uh from my uh, from my research and going through kind of some of the archives uh, of exoticos talk about some just some a little t- uh taste of some of the most famous and most iconic exoticos and what better way to start than with adorable ruby born in 1943 on new year's eve he was the very kind of one of the pioneers of the exotico wrestling style and one of the most successful as well he uh taking a lot of influence by the character of uh, dizzy gardenia uh, one of the very first successful exoticos uh, exoticos in lucha libre, he was he he mixed the lucha libre style with with, with a v- all flamboyance to him. So he would uh, he would mix cross dressing with wrestling as a, to create a type of character that was, I, I guess you could say, is the Mexican Gorgeous George. Is the is the closest that I could actually you know. Okay. Make a comparison to, but the, re- the like the reason I bring up Ruby is he became uh, Mexican national cruiserweight champion, middleweight champion, and the NWA light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was it was never revealed personally whether he was you know if, whether he was gay or not. It was something kind of like a very like a uh the mask kind of thing where they kept their personal lives very private from the world, but um. From all intents and purposes, from what everyone knew, he was a very kind of like very flamboyant character and kind of very much doubled down on that and was and was, as you can see, very successful with that, especially in EMLL. Uh, Hmm. Next person I want to bring up is who did I have listed? (laughs) Ah, yes, Uh, Maximo.
2: Yeah,
0: cool. Maximo, what an absolute legend! And if you ever type, if you ever type "Exotico" into Google search, nine times out of ten, the image that pops up the most is the image of Maximo. Uh, currently, I believe, still wrestling in CMLL. Uh,
2: I believe so. I believe it's about.
0: 40 now? 40, yeah. And this guy has been here, there, and everywhere. Funnily enough, uh, made an appearance very recently, again, in Impact Wrestling back in 2018. Uh, Having a match, uh, if you could find it, had an amazing comedy match against Grado. (laughs) Now, (laughs) go on. (laughs) So, you'll love how this... So, during Impact's tour of Mexico... Yeah. in Mexico City, Grado was part paired up with Maximo in probably one of the funniest like, comedy matches I've seen Grado have, and the ending to this match was brilliant, so he defeats uh, Maximo defeats Grado with a schoolboy roll up, after having momentarily stunned the latter with a kiss <laughs> Grado
2: as, as never change, st- never
0: change Grado <laughs> after the uh, match Grado. though, Grado kissed Maximo and left the ring so there you go <laughs> As one absolutely should. <laughs> but, and you know,
2: like, uh, I, don't, I like. Obviously, we talk about that as well. But um, it is well. It is also fair saying that um, uh, Maximo has also been uh, CMLL champion.
0: Yeah, crazy, so. isn't it?
2: Crazy. Oh,
0: um, actually, no. It was up until actually this year, up until July, that Maximo was actually wrestling in Triple A. He had wrestled he had wrestled at CMNL all the way till twenty seventeen. Had a little stopgap at the Crash promotion, and then ended up making sporadic appearances. uh, A little one in Impact, and then making appearances in Triple A up until July, uh, announcing his departure from Triple A in July uh, because he was announcing a certain person's event that i will not speak the name of because i don't particularly yes. like certain wrestler that's certain wrestler, certain mexican mm. wrestler involved <laughs> mm. uh, so uh, maximo is your quids if you ask me is the quids essential Exotico and the way he looks dresses very bright neon colors dyes his hair pink is very you know it very leans into the comedy style of wrestling more than anything but uh, he has some wrestling chops to him. Like, he can go. And he is part, of, mm-hmm. if, if I remember, he is part of the Alvarado wrestling family as well. So that, oh, yeah. that is a big old family of wrestlers as well. Um, that's, we've got people in
2: there like... Um, well, my favourite one is obviously the fact that he's related to Psycho Clown, but that's a separate thing entirely. <laughs> yes.
1: Wait, hold on, what? <laughs> oh, There's
2: a wrestler in Mexico called Psycho Clown. His gimmick is basically he's a psycho clown, Uh, kind of like um, you know the character from Twisted Metal. Yes.
1: But it's just a guy. It's it's sweet tooth. Yes, in a way. (laughs) My God.
0: Um, but um,
2: I believe it's. Here's me trying to remember Spanish. (laughs) It's um. Bra- Brazzo de Oro, as Brazo, well? Ah, Brazo D'Oro, Oro. Yes,
0: yep. I, I think yes, he is. Which is again, yeah. It's like the six degrees of, of family separation. Talking of the Alvarado family, though, El Brazo, the f- yes. the famous El Brazo had had a gimmick at one point known as La Braza, that was essentially an exotico gimmick. <laughs> now if anyone doesn't know of 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 el brazo he had he worked mainly in a tag team with his brothers brazo de oro and brazo de plata uh the gold arm or and silver arm los brazos uh work yes. honestly yes i joseph recently brought them up in his 1991 uh video and i i, I was curious to watch some of their matches man they are good and they work such like such a wide variety of styles as well it's like those brothers were so freaking good and they wrestled quite a lot not only in mexico but they uh, also wrestled in los angeles uh, for nwa hollywood wrestling but they were they were known as like the one of the absolute best trios tag teams uh, but there was a little short period of time where el brazo uh, wrestled as la Braza. Uh, and was a straight-up Exotico gimmick. (laughs) And that was in 2011. So this was, like, as he was winding his career down. So he was 50 at this time and aligned himself with uh, Pimpinella Escalata and, of course, the most famous one that we will be talking about at the end of this, Cassandro. (laughs) But before we get to Cassandro... Talk about two people that fully have embraced uh, exotico, uh, the exotico gimmick, uh, but they're not Mexican uh, luchadors, but people that have been, make, uh, been made famous in America. First person I want to bring up: Rico Constantino. Now we have mentioned Rico a yeah, couple of times here. We before. have.
2: We
1: have.
0: And uh, um, oh let's, man, let's let's just let's just
2: be here and say that. Rico's involvement in WWE is incredibly and highly problematic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just a wee bit.
0: The whole Billy like... Chuck thing.
1: Uh... Oh, God in heaven.
0: Uh, and then after that, he did have a good run with Charlie Haas in the tag division. He did. He did. Uh, and after that, did you know... Uh, just when I was reading up on, on Rico a little bit more, not only did he, after he retired, become a member of the Las Vegas Police Department. Okay. But he, was, right. also, he was also a contestant on American Gladiators and was the champion of the 1990 season of American Gladiators.
2: What is it with wrestling and having weird connections to American Gladiators?
0: <laughs> did you also I- know that Rico was a contestant on Fort Boyard. Now, <laughs>
2: you're going to have I'm to explain gonna need,
0: this. I'm going to need some evidence for this. Right. I think there is a video on YouTube of Rico being on Fort Boyard. But if anyone doesn't know what uh, Fort Boyard Yeah, I was going to say, should we, uh,
2: should we explain to the non-British listeners or the British listeners that are under a certain age or don't happen to have... um. <laughs> like close relatives that would be roughly analogous to the age that you need to be for Fort Boyard.
0: <laughs> so, so, I'd say both. So Fort yeah. Boyard was an interesting kind of like game show where it mixed would you say kind of gladiators with the crystal maze where there was like a physical puzzle challenges in order to win clues for the final uh for the final kind of um for the final part where you'd have to guess a word in order to win a fortune of like cash prize to give to charity yeah Um, Yeah. so the Fort Boyle took place in a disused prison island just off the shore of Jersey but more kind of closer to France
2: yeah so it was I'm not interesting... getting it. I'm not getting into the legal jurisdiction of the channel, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No one wants to hear that, especially on a wrestling podcast.
0: <laughs> and so it was a, it was a unique setting, that's for sure. Oh um, uh, yeah,
1: that mean that's just, just true. But it 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 in,
0: but all I'll say is this: Fort Boyard is an incredibly early two thousands game show like without question yeah. so it surprised the hell out of me that Rico of all people was on this but I say that Doug Williams was on Fort Boyard at one point yeah <laughs> so... but he's British <laughs> so, so, makes...
2: so I, I, I'm i happy to acknowledge that fact <laughs> I'm like yeah it's weird but you know what I get it <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that is Fort boiled and nutshell when rico was once on it um yes the other person i definitely want to talk about who's currently wrestling i believe is actually injured at the moment is um is sunny kiss currently signed to aew i've re- always liked sunny kiss not only because like they you know incorporate a lot of kind of like the dart like the dance background that they have but it's also just being one of the very first gender fluid wrestlers on a mainstream wrestling show and just knocking it out of the park, if you ask me.
1: Oh, absolutely. I am a big fan of Sunny Kiss for multiple reasons, but <laughs> no, they are legitimately just so incredible.
2: <laughs> talk your talk, King. <laughs>
1: I cannot talk. Listen, listen.
2: I know. I this know.
1: Is not the podcast for it. <laughs> but it is. But it. But it needs to be remarked. Oh, <laughs> what that? Oh my god. <laughs> and that is all. We shall go from there.
0: <laughs> all I say is this: they're yeah, doing something respectfully, regardless of what people think of Sunny Kiss. They're doing something right when they are ranked 164 in the PWI of Top 500 in 2020 yeah
2: Indeed. and also soon and also soon the qwi 200 will be coming out so.
0: yes i'm looking forward to that like immensely for,
2: for for those that are listening that don't know what the qwi 200 is the list of the well uh, both in both in Kfabe and outside of KFave. uh list of the 200 best queer wrestlers
0: and we all know and we all know kenny omega is going to be number one in that as well so (laughs) Mm.
1: god do you think that's kenny omega's like final transformation turning into an exotico he seems (laughs) like he could do that
2: i mean you could
0: could make an argument that in ddt pro he kind of was (laughs) all i'll Mm. say is that transformation will be complete once he gets to finally close the book on his rivalry with Kota Ibushi. <laughs> that is true. That is true.
1: Where, where, will they finally, finally just make out?
0: <laughs> I mean, they were Ken- doing it all the time in DDT Pro, so... Yeah. like Kenny o-
2: It's Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi in a 60-minute in a classic for the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metalweight Championship.
0: What's this AUW that's talking about? <laughs> now, that's when the forbidden door is blown right up. <laughs> So, all this talk brings me to, quite possibly, one of the most well-known exoticos in professional wrestling, and indeed in mainstream culture as well. (laughs) Cassandro. Wow. So Cassandro, the most famous of all, grew up in El Paso, Texas. And man, right, let me just say this, right? The list of accomplishments that Cassandro has... Multiple NWA World Welterweight and light and lightweight championships to his name. He was also, believe it or not, at one point, even though it was not recognized by the promotion, Chikara Welterweight Champion.
2: That's a very Chikara thing to do. <laughs>
0: <Did> <laughs>
2: have someone, have someone as champion, and be like, "Wait, they even work for us?"
0: <laughs> oh, so. Believe it or not, I didn't know for a l- for 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 a little while in 2009, uh, Cassandro signed a contract with TNA, but was actually released before he ever made his debut. Which is a shame because I was like, yeah. "Oh. That would have been so cool to see him there." But this dude has such an interesting interesting history to him. Oh yeah. So at the age of fifteen, he quit school and began training in lucha libre. He began in around 1998, working under a mask as Mister Romano. Um, he was actually the character. It says here on Wikipedia made up by well-known luchador Rey Mysterio. So it was Senior. an idea of Rey Mysterio. Senior, uh, was, uh, was a was a gladiator themed Rudo. Get it, Mister Romano. Okay, but- Roman romance, oh,
1: God. <laughs> that is a, a
0: choice, <laughs> but it was less than a year that he was encouraged to abandon the character and take on a new exotico character, and thus, uh, and thus Cassandro was born. <laughs> he began wrestling in the UWA before making a, making a, a, an appearance uh, through uh, it's a triple A. Um, but I say I say I touched lightly upon the UWA only because it was actually kind of marred by a little bit of um, by a little bit of dark times because around two thousand and two two thousand and three uh, he began abusing drugs and alcohol which started really affecting his in ring work um, but by around two thousand and three he he finally fortunately found sobriety and through then found Triple A. In 2005, he started a, a rivalry with former partner Pimpinella Escalata, and of which ended with a big old grudge match in May 2006. Which, if mm-hmm. if you've never seen, go and watch it. it ended in a no contest, uh, but it ended. Uh, but then they agreed a hair versus hair match at Triple Mania 14, uh, uh, which led, uh, which was a four man tag team match. Uh, which again ended in a no contest but i say that it was a, it was not but it was not a bad match at all not a bad match at all um again as i said made a little appearance and signed for tna in 2009 and around and around 2011 started kind of winding his career down from professional wrestling uh, but after that he uh, from f- through that actually uh, he would begin touring uh, the UK uh, doing oh. uh, doing uh, drag acts, funnily enough. and nice. this, is where he, this is where he built his fluency in English. He actually gained a lot of uh, mainstream uh, attention in the UK when he appeared on BBC mm. Breakfast.
2: <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of stuff. Uh, he did a lot of stuff with... I believe it may have gone under a, name, a different name previously it may have always been uh, lucha britannia
0: lucha britannia
2: yeah which was um uh, a really big one and then also kind of in the early 2010s was when drag was starting to kind of have a revival in the uk mm. again i feel like i should clarify for non for for non-british people or non-british or British people of a certain age drag was actually very popular in the uk uh, no but, oh yeah yeah There's a reason. It it was a very popular um, form of entertainment um, as part of the British cabaret tradition, of which wrestling was also part of yes oh, gosh
1: um, that's not that's not to say it was that not to say it was progressive because no it
2: wasn't it, let, let's, oh. let's, again let's get that up in the air it yeah. was nowhere near as progressive as you want to say that the drag is now mm. yeah. i mean but it was still a very it was a popular form of entertainment yeah. that people yeah. actually knew about and
0: engaged with absolutely yeah. i mean gosh i guess you could say the most famous drag um act would be lily savage paul o'grady yeah. At that time, yeah. Um, um, What was the...
2: Wasn't there another one in like the early 90s? Or am I just thinking of Lily Savage?
0: I think it might be... I, I, I can't remember, because I just remember always... Like, if they're, they're, they're not being an ITV program... Without Lily Savage appearing in it at one point. Well, because I'm just thinking about as well... I mean,
2: uh, to, to go back to something that we have referenced a lot um the somewhat rich tradition of like for example just like a local kind of um again again this is an incredibly british thing probably more northern but they still have them in the, they still have have them in london as well but you know like working in association clubs mm-hmm. and then sometimes you just be there and uh, and they just be a drag show or like you go to like um you know, like a holiday camp or something, mm-hmm. and then there'd just be a drag show, and you're like, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a thing, isn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it it really is a thing, um, and I'm kind of more glad that it's become more it's become more accepted now and i think maybe a bit of that might have to do with um with drag race i'd say but i guess i'd say more of it has to do with that because it's just been such a cultural touchstone in this country people have just been more kind of like hell yeah hell yeah love Mm. and support these awesome people
2: please do support your local drag queen support
1: your local drag queen today (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) so We should believe as well, in 2017, Cassandro also appeared at a skit on the Conan O'Brien show.
2: (laughs) Really? I welcome that. But to be fair, we've been learning recently that that Conan O'Brien really does like his wrestling. He does. He does. don't Don't forget, and I'm getting my one in here. That Conan O'Brien had Dan Housen on his podcast. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. And now, fully admittedly, knows... it was
2: for Dan Danhausen to talk
0: about how much he liked Conan O'Brien. But still. But still. <laughs> the fact that he's now fully aware of Dan Housen and knows that he's the reason why Dan Housen exists is the world that I've always wanted to live in now. <laughs> Ever since everything happened, Conan O'Brien now knows Dan <laughs> Oh, but no. Uh, it, would you believe Cassandro actually was training Conan and Andy Richter to become luchador? <laughs> oh my God!
1: God <laughs> and Almighty.
0: And of course, this all, all culminated in Cassandro being the subject of the 2018 documentary film Cassandro the Exotico, um, which I've not fortunately have not been able to find. Um, I believe there might be. Um a chance to be able to rent or buy it off of, uh, of YouTube films. But anywhere oh, else, I've definitely. only seen snippets here and there, but I, I definitely want to actually watch that because it looks really, oh, really no, interesting. I, I, I actually do really want to watch it. Um, yeah. For, uh, uh, not to put it on a bit of a damp squib, unfortunately, on May 7th of this year, um, and fortunately as well, uh, Cassandra was suffering from ill health, and it turns out that he actually had a brain embolism. Fortunately, he did Ooh. have it removed and from what I've heard and seen, he is on the mend and is doing well. So, no, go show your love to Cassandro. The reason I, I took a little time, most of the time, out of this podcast is because it's the most famous out of a lot of them and has a lot of mainstream attention over in this yeah. country as well. As so a lot of people know Cassandra in this country. So. There,
2: there are a lot of people that have a lot of love for Cassandro. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, we, we should say... Um, With the kind of proliferation of the, I'm going to say, the queer wrestling world, Um, Cassandra also making appearances at kind of very big queer wrestling events as well. Yes. I don't think Cassandra was at PIB, but I definitely know Cassandra's been at least one of the big gay
0: branches. Yes. (laughs) Oh, bad i mean, I'm, just, I'm just saying that now, dude, and I'm just like, man. I, I'm looking forward to the next Actually, big gay brunch. This is a thing. Yeah. Have we ever
2: told you about Paris's bumping?
0: I don't. Think no. I don't think we have ever. Okay.
2: After we're done with this, we'll tell you about Paris's bumping. Yes.
1: Oh hell yeah! Please tell me.
0: <laughs> so. We we're going to wrap up and talk about the influence of Exoticos because I don't think a lot of people realise just how influential the, the concept of Exoticos and how the LGBT community took that and ran with it and made it become its own thing. Um, because I think it's only now that we're starting to see the concepts of Exoticos becoming more prevalent in professional wrestling, especially uh, in in America and the UK. Mm. Uh, I mean, we talked about it and touched about it a little bit with Pride Month, just how much now we're seeing the LGBT community really making waves in professional wrestling. Of course, Big Gay Brunch, MV Young doing amazing stuff and keeping on, keeping on as as, as they always do. But I feel like it. I feel like more than I looked into it, the more Exoticos were almost kind of like the linchpin. Or the pin in the grenade that was pulled off for the, the LGBT community to fling that grenade into professional wrestling. Because <laughs> the more, I mean, the more I look at it, like you know, talked about Cassandra. I mean, we also talked about Sonny Kiss and Rico as well. You can't not think. Well, these guys, you know, all these guys and girls, and the concept of Exoticos do owe a lot to the LGBT community.
1: I mean i mean a lot of them are just straight up in the lgbt community but yes uh yes okay. they
0: do at least they're kind of their their presence in professional wrestling especially i'd say
1: mm. i do think it's like it's gotten more sort of more and more where the the exotic from one i've from little research i've done the exoticos and like a straight up lgbt wrestler it's becoming more and more just like a blob, like you don't know which one ends and where the other begins, it's kind a, of thing.
0: It's 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 a it's a big gay blob. Thing. <laughs>
1: there, there yeah. it is. It's a gigantic it, 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 rainbow blob.
2: It is kind of like it does kind of represent, um, almost like this weird kind of like proto queer wrestling thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, this is where we had to start to get where we are now mm. in a sense absolutely mm. um and so like and there's like a whole there's like a whole bunch of other stuff as well if you want to like examine it even further and talk about like kind of the role of having these people display different traits to what wrestling normally exists within mm. as well as being a uh, as being a really powerful thing which it is
0: absolutely
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. um but i think the thing that's most interesting about it is that they've kind of provided this bridge Mm -hmm. to kind of bring lots of different aspects of queer culture into wrestling yeah, and kind of allow that to develop into its own fully formed thing, and then have things go on further to kind of where we are now. And so, like now, we talk about uh, big gay brunch, PIB, um, lots of the other events that are happening as well. You could talk about Pride Pro, who I believe is still intending to run. I actually haven't checked in with them in a while, <laughs> um, and 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 a whole bunch of other stuff as well um in british wrestling yeah um unfortunately everything isn't as centralized um but you know getting to the point now where like when they were doing big gay brunch they were basically having an entire celebration for Cassandra. yeah <laughs> so cool. it, it, it's it's a really really cool thing to see That's maybe, maybe at this point in time could be considered a kind of, kind of like a a little bit of a relic Mm. of the past. Mm. But I think, I think it's still as important as ever. Absolutely. I should say, especially in the canon of of, um, Mexican wrestling.
1: Yeah, it's like one, 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 one person's relic is another one's aesthetic. To put yeah. it in a way, so I, 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 don't see it going anytime soon. Nor do I really want to. You
0: know, and that is a good way. I feel that's a good way to to, to pin the bow on this episode. Um, a very, uh, I mean, a very short and sweet one. And I, I do massively apologize to anyone who has, who has listened to this and knows the world of Exoticos more than, than us three. And if I lightly uh, touched upon any other things, I promise if they ever get the chance to do it, I will look more in depth into these wrestlers because I'm more, so much more interested now into it than I, uh, than, uh...
1: Hey, if you, if you're listening and you have some information, why don't you add us? Yeah, sweet absolutely. Team, huh?
0: Yes. Absolutely. If, you,
2: if you are that person that has a whole lot of information please let us know
0: yes yes we are not we are. We do not hesitate having more information or indeed being corrected on stuff because yes, you know we
2: will happily be told that we are actually
0: know enough <laughs> please tell us that fact please 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 do alrighty then chaps oh this is the big one a big one to wrap up National Hispanic Heritage Month. We are talking about the most famous luchador possibly ever? Mm -hmm. Mm. The man, the myth, the legend. Who is that jumping out the sky? It is R.E.Y. Mysterio. Yes. (laughs) We are concluding with the Rey Mysterio retrospective. It's Rey Rey, baby.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. I am so, so excited. I'm genuinely
0: no excited with this one um, because not only do I get to talk about his WCW run, I get to talk about his runs I- in Mexico. Uh, his excursions to japan he blew everyone away um uh, and then of course eventually ending up in wwe in 2002 heck you know what while we're at it i may never get a chance to i am going to talk to you guys about one of my personal favorite matches of Rey mysterio's which is the triple threat between him eddie and cm punk in 2002
1: <laughs> let's go hey that match go. has
0: no right existing <laughs> but b <laughs> That match
2: bangs anyway. It
0: absolutely <laughs> does. We're going to get
1: to it. We are going to get to it. We are going to gonna get to it.
0: Uh, but yeah, man, all that remains for me to say is I have been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. We will see you, as ever, on the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye! It's
2: Dan Cassandre. Do it now.